Good morning, High Desert Word Center. How are we doing this morning? Amen. Blessed. Hallelujah. It is awesome to be in the house of the Lord on Sunday morning. And who enjoyed a little tiny bit of cooler weather this morning, blowing in a little bit? Amen. So I'm just going to go ahead and officially declare that it's fall time. Is anybody with me? Amen. I've had three or four pumpkin spice lattes this week, and you know, it's just really starting to kick in, so I'm feeling that good fall time groove, so praise God for all that. Um, it's a great day to be in church. Uh, we got some great announcements Mom and Katie are getting ready to make, but I want to, oh no, I'm going to let you make that one. So anyway, all right, uh, praise God. Katie, you fill us in on the homeschool co-op real quick, because that is fastly approaching. Not this Tuesday, next Tuesday. We're starting, so Tuesday and Wednesday, tons of you have already registered. If you have not registered yet, hdwc.org slash homeschool. Um, and we're not doing the traditional kind of all-day normal school thing. We're doing this so that our families and our students can have fellowship and friendship and something to do outside the house. So on Tuesdays, we have got music lessons for even the preschool and kinders. Um, we're going to have a really good time with that. And any of the things I mentioned, if you're interested in helping out but you don't have a student, by all means, talk to us, and we'd be glad to get you involved in one way or another. Each session is going to be one hour and here on the church property. So we've got 
preschool and kinder music. We've got elementary guitar, middle and high school guitar. We also will have sewing that she's going to talk about here in just a minute, as well as a PE class for all the elementary and your high schoolers can tag along too. Um, but it's going to be geared toward them and it's going to be super fun. And as soon as it cools off, we'll get them way outside because there's plenty of land to do that on here. But there's some really cool and fun activities planned for PE. Then on Wednesday, there is also going to be art and tutoring. So I have talked to several of you that whether it be math or reading, that there's some additional help that is needed. So Katie Brady is going to be helping us out with tutoring because she's a genius. So yay, praise the Lord for that. And if you are interested in being in there and helping with that, helping a first or a second grader read or, you know, just overcome some of the hurdles that they're doing, we would love to have you involved. Some of the classes are going to have some supply lists, not major stuff, but there is some prep work, obviously for sewing. There is some stuff you're going to need to bring for art. So those, that information is coming and she's going to give us some info about sewing. All right. Well, praise the Lord. Hi, everybody. Glad you're here. Welcome Austin's parents from Ohio. Praise God. Came out to see them and the new grandbaby. So praise the Lord. Okay, so sewing class. We need sewing machines that you can either let the church borrow or donate to the church. Some of the girls have their own sewing machines. Some do not. And I'd hate to have them have to go out and buy one. But if you've got one sitting around that works and would like to either loan it to the church or donate it to the church, please see me, okay? Because I'd hate to have one of the girls not be able to come just because she doesn't have a machine. But that is kind of important to have a sewing machine, amen? All right, also some good news. I have lots of good news. Um, Women's Fall Kickoff Meeting, ladies, is going to be Friday night, September the 11th. It's always the second Friday night of the month, 6.30 in Victory And we are going to be having food for you. Amen. We're providing food. So make sure that you're there. It's all going to be individual stuff, but you're going to have it right on your plate in front of you. We're going to be having some giveaways. It's our kickoff for the fall, so make sure that you come. I'm going to be teaching on, listen to this, how to take back what the devil's stolen in your life. Now, has the devil ever stolen anything in anybody's life? Has he ever stolen anything in your life? Well, we're going to have it taken back. Amen. Also, let's see, another third announcement. Okay, Harvest Fest. Now, we aren't going to have original Harvest Fest like we do here with thousands of people that come. We can't do that this year. However, Pastor and I are inviting you, church people, your families, your children, to come to Pleasant View Farm on Friday night, October October the 23rd. We're going to have some fire pits. We're going to have hay rides. We're going to have all kinds of cool stuff. You can cook your own hot dogs, blah, blah, blah. And then the big people that do games around here are going to have games. They're going to do games for us because I'm not the game person. So anyway, it's going to be a lot of fun. So make sure you mark that on your calendar Friday night, October 23rd. You're going to head to the country, folks. Okay? Hallelujah. All right. So you know what that means for me, right? That all of you who normally come and help out with stuff, 
Um, we're going to need some help with that event. So if you're some of my logistical planning people, me and Desiree would love to see you and get that all in order. And if you have worked Harvest Fest and you want to come early and help us set up things, we would love to have you. So let's work as a team. Amen. Yes, hallelujah. And I'm really excited that we're able to do something like that. It's kind of just, it's going to bless our own church kids, really. And, you know, they can bring some friends and stuff like that. But it's not going to be the major community outreach that we typically do on a normal year. But my parents there, they've got 10 wide open acres. They've got a beautiful three acre pond or lake and uh, wonderful property, well lit. Uh, it's going to be awesome. And so in the next few weeks, we're going to start collecting candy because my idea is let's let's just absolutely bless our church kids here so much that they get the most candy they've ever had right they have the best time they've ever had and it's i mean i'm i'm really excited about this i believe that we need this this year and uh, and our kids need this and we're going to show them that it's not a bummer or it's not a a drag to to serve god but that god is absolutely uh worth it and he blesses them and he cares about them so i am pumped up about our own small scale in-house harvest fest this year so amen man good stuff all right let's go ahead i'm gonna have pastor come up this morning and we're gonna rejoice that we get to give and invest into the kingdom of god it's a good day amen Thank you, Jesus. Somebody say glory to God. Say, I'm glad that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came to earth, lived as a man, but he was God. He died for my sins. I don't have to go to hell. I don't have to have hell on earth. I get to go to heaven someday because he's my Savior. Amen, amen, amen. Give somebody a high five, air five or something. Amen, amen, amen. All right, let's see. We know the routine for envelopes. What do we do now? Robert, we had, they get the envelopes out of the bucket, right? Amen. So if you need an envelope, hold up your hand and they will be more than glad to bring the bucket to you. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad that Jesus not only died for our sins, but he took our poverty so we can have his wealth? Amen. I want you to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I want to look at some verses on how you can stay prosperous and have more than enough, whether you have a job or don't have a job. Somebody said, well, I do that already. The government takes care of me. Oh, I got some bad news for you. The government's broke. Amen. If you trust on the government, you might be broke too. But God has a higher government. Government. God's got a better way. And so our trust needs to be in Him. But, you know, I, I just want to say something before I look at these verses, 1 Corinthians 13. One day this week when I was up early praying and talked to the Lord about what He wanted me to read in the Bible that day. I always do our uh, High Desert Word Center Scripture reading every day. I like I like the way the Lord leads us there. But anyway, He gave me Psalms 2. And uh, I'd read Psalms 2 over the years, different times, but those first couple verses, I'm not going to look at it now, but look at it later on. 
Those first couple verses, I never ever dreamed how they would apply to 2020 in the United States of America. Starts off saying, why do the heathen rage? Why do they say vain things about God's people? And then it begins to say that that raging is the people riding and just doing all kinds of things. And then it says, because they're coming against the anointed one, his anointing. There's an anointing on Christians. There's an anointing in America because of the gospel in America. And things are rising up big time and bad time. And don't let yourself be deceived. It's the end times. And Isaiah chapter 60 says that the end times, darkness is going to get darker. It's going to be gross darkness. But it says for those that believe, it's going to get brighter and brighter and brighter. And God always, always, always gives mankind a choice. God gives Christians a choice. You can choose to feed on the fear, the ugly things, and your life will get darker. And that will be Bible prophecy being fulfilled. It will be gross darkness for you. But I'm going to choose the second half of Isaiah 60, verse 1. I'm going to choose to walk in the light. I'm going to choose that side of prophecy where I'm walking in more and more light, more and more anointing, more and more of what God has for me because I've got, I've got things to do for Jesus before he comes back. If he doesn't come back in my lifetime, I'm going to live to way, 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 a lot more years I've got right now. And during that time, I'm going to do all I know to do to fulfill God's plan for my life. And number one thing is, I've got to walk in the light. When you walk in the Word of God, you're walking in the light. Amen? So anyway, that's what's going on. There's a spiritual warfare going on. And whether you like it or not, you can't be neutral. I'm not talking about politics. I'm talking about spiritual warfare. Democrats, Republicans, white, black, Hispanic, Asian, whatever it is, that has nothing to do with anything. There's an enemy behind the scenes. What's division, hatred, animosity, every evil thing you can think of, it comes from Satan's side. But Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But he said, I've come for you to have and enjoy life. And so I'm choosing that side. But but uh, I wanted to, for, over the offering this morning, I really wanted to just talk about our tithers' rights to Malachi chapter 3, but the Lord strongly impressed me to look at 1 Corinthians 13 again for us as Christians. How many know that Malachi chapter 3 he told us if we bring our tithe faithfully to him, he opens the windows of heaven, his blessings on us, he brings the devour for us. But Galatians chapter 5 verse 6 says that our faith works by love. Everything in our life, all the benefits, all the blessings God has for us depends upon how much we love people and recognize that people are not our enemy. With all the evil things going on in our country right now, you can never get caught up in hating people. Jesus hated the works of the devil that some people yield to, but he never hated people. He loved people, he loved people, he loved people. And we as Christians got to recognize with all the things going on, we can't get caught up and get ugly towards people. Our job is to preach the gospel and to love people. And if you hate people, then you can't love people at the same time. And so we got to recognize that there's a lot of people that are deceived. How many of you were ever deceived in your whole life at least one time and then found out you was on the wrong side? Well, until I got born again, I lived in deception because I didn't know what was really going on. Since I've born again, been born again, I've tried to stay in church, and I have. I've stayed in the Word. I've stayed in prayer. 
And when I saw I was getting off course, I repented and got right. And so right now, I want to help you stay on course just in case you've strayed a little bit. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1 says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. In other words, he says, no matter how powerful you are, the Spirit speaking in tongues all day long says, if you don't love people, all you are is just a noisemaker. And how many know that in America there's a lot of noisemakers right now, and the last thing we need is for Christians just be noisemakers. He says, though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so I can remove mountains and have not love, I'm nothing. God says it doesn't make any difference how much faith you've got, what a strong faith person you are, if you don't love people, said you've got nothing. Man, the Bible says that. And then here's what I want to see, this verse 3. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not love, it profits me nothing. If you want to profit... It's not based upon your tithe and your giving. It's based upon your tithe and your giving and your loving so your faith works. Amen? Amen, says the prophet's for nothing. I want to look at verse 8. I just want to read the first three words. Love never fails. Love never fails. Love never fails. Say never. When God says never, that means never. And so for us, the believers, years ago, when I was meditating on this verse, it really jumped into my heart. And I wrote a note in my Bible. If I'm having a failure in life, then somewhere in my life, I'm not walking in love. Because if I'm walking in love towards people, walking in love towards God, loving and forgiving and loving people like Jesus was, it's impossible for me to fail. The Bible says so. Verse 13 says, And now abides or remains faith, hope, love. These three, but the grace of these is love. And so God says that love is even greater than faith. Why is love greater than faith? Because Galatians 5, 6 says faith can't work without love. You get faith by hearing the word of God. You get faith by knowing what the Bible says concerning your situation. But your faith won't work if you don't love people. And so right now in our lives, you can't get mad at a governor because he shuts down churches and things. You can't get mad about governments because they make things that we don't agree with. We can pray for them, but we got to love them. That's no matter what goes on. Matter of fact, yesterday, I've just got to say this. When I was having my private time with the Lord yesterday, all of a sudden... I started saw, saw, saw the faces of two or three high officials in our state and ugly tried to get on me about things they're saying and doing right now. I stopped and said, Lord, I want to pray for her. I want to pray for him because right now they are not walking in the fruit of born-again Christian. And no matter what's going on right now, no matter how deceived they are, saying things and doing things that are against everything I believe, Jesus, I know that someday they're going to die. If they die without you, they're not going to go to heaven. And so, Lord, I want to take the time right now to pray for them. 
And that's the love of God in my heart praying for them. Jesus wants nobody to miss heaven. And so that's what we need to remember as Christians. If we want our faith to work, yeah, we tithe, we give, we make good confessions out of our mouth, but in our everyday life, where the whole world's turned into hatred, we got to remember, Jesus said, By this shall men know you're my disciples if you have love one for another. So Christians, do a checkup from the neck up. If you're letting this stuff get on you, stop and repent, turn it into prayer. We don't have to agree with ugly things, but we can love ugly people. Amen. Let's make, go ahead. Give the Lord a hand. Let's make our financial faith confession, and then we can bring our tithes and altars socially distanced up to the altar and worship God with them. Amen. As we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for being all my financial needs, so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to get generous in the kingdom of God, and promote the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, and when you're done dropping off your tithes and your offerings, join us back at your seat. Stand up and let's praise the Lord. How many of us know that the Lord lives in us? He inhabits us. We are his temple. Thank you, Katie. And sing this with us. Our praise becomes your house. Your house, your place, our praise becomes your house, your place, our praise becomes your house, your place, oh God. We sing a song, we sing a song and you come and make a dance and you Shout your name and you come in, give your praise and you come in, sing a song and you come in, make a dance and you come in, shout your name and you come in, give him praise. We inhabit the praises of your people. Yes, Lord. You Your house, your place, our praise. 
working Even when I don't feel it, you're working Never stop, never stop working You never stop, you never stop working Even when I don't see it, you're working Even when I don't feel it, you're working Never stop, you never stop working You never stop, you never stop working Even when I don't see it, you're working Even when I don't feel it, you're working You never stop, you never stop working You never stop, you never stop working Even when I don't see it, you're working Even when I don't feel it, you're working You never stop, you never stop working You never stop, you never stop working
Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. How many love the words of that song? Amen. That is true. If there's ever a time, if there's ever a time, we need to walk with the miracle worker and believe the miracle worker and trust in him. It's now. And as we're, as we're worshiping him, uh, I just asked the Lord if he had anything for anybody. And he kept on speaking to me about jobs. And so I thought, man, I'm not going to talk about jobs right now, man. Everybody, this job thing's really up there where nobody knows what's going on, what to do. And probably a lot of people have a job problem. But the Lord specifically spoke to me for someone. You sit down if you want to. Go ahead and sit down because I want to I give you a Bible verse. And if this is for you, or maybe somebody's watching this on, on uh, the, the, what do you call that, YouTube or Facebook or something like that, it might be for you. This might be for more than one person. But look at your Bible. It's Psalm 75, verse 6 and verse 7. And if this is you, you're going to know it. And if it's not for you, then you can hold on to it. Maybe someday you'll need these verses. Or maybe it's somebody you give to them now. If this specifically about a job for someone and maybe more than one. But Psalm 75 Verse 6 and verse 7 says this. For promotion cometh. I like that. If I were out in the workforce, I would love to know that God tells me he has promotion for me. For promotion cometh neither from the east, nor from the west, nor from the south. You notice he didn't say anything about north there. East, west, and south. It says promotion doesn't come from in those directions. And so what's left's north. What's, what's north of us? Way north. Heaven is. But God is the judge. He putteth down one and setteth up another. He putteth down one and setteth up another. Now here's the specific word the Lord gave me in life, those verses. For someone in specific, and I don't have to believe it's somebody in the service that's in this service today, and maybe somebody watching, but for sure listen to this. God said this, you don't think you're qualified, you don't think you have enough other education, you don't have enough experience, and you keep looking to you. You're wanting that next step, you're wanting that next job, and God says you keep looking to you. And he said, now listen to this, this may sound strange, but I'll explain it. Here's what he told me, it's not who you know, but who you know. It's not who you know. And so you're looking to people. But it's who you know. Take your eyes off of who you know down here and get your eyes on who you know up there. He said promotion comes from him. And so right now, I can tell you this by the Spirit of God. I release the anointed God on your life right now. And if you will shift your eyes from down here, and get him back up there, then he says promotion cometh from him. And so just, you're on the right road. Just change how you got your faith angled. Amen. Your faith has been down here, but on people. God said, stop it. He said promotion comes from me. If you will shift now from worrying and fretting and stewing and complaining, and whining and just shift this to thank you Jesus your word says that promotion comes from you I just want to thank you Jesus for promotion 
I want to thank you, Jesus, for that next step. I want to thank you, Jesus, for that job. Because the Bible says it comes from him. And so make that adjustment. And then make sure when God blesses you, be a faithful tither and testify. And testify to everybody you can. Jesus did this for me. Amen. Amen. Give the Lord praise. We'll let David have Pastor Dave have this. Amen. Sounds like somebody here needs to be getting ready for that promotion because I believe that that is a word for you and it is coming in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, who's glad to be at church today? Amen. What a great time to be alive. This is, it's no accident that you were born into the time that you were born and that God has placed you here for this time on the earth. God had this set up. He's so genius that he would have you be born in this generation so he could use you and the glory of God could shine, radiate out of you and help change the world right before Jesus comes back. So I am happy. I am blessed. I am thrilled that I am alive in the world today. We were born for such a time as this. Can somebody say amen? Amen. All right. Well, it is awesome to be uh, with the saints today at church. And listen up. I'm going to tag on a little bit to what we talked about last week. So here's a quick 30-second recap of last week. What we discussed was this, was Joshua and the children of Israel, they finally made it to uh, the promised land. They were on this side of the Jordan River, and they just had to get across, and then they officially enter in. 40 years of wandering, 40 years of, of pretty bad stuff happening, and here they are right at the edge. And so Joshua tells the people, listen, you've never been this way before. The promised land that you've always heard about is right there on the other side, but I'm going to take you down a road you have never been before. And that's what I believe God's saying to all of us today in 2020. You're this close to the promised land, but it's not going to be down the road you thought it was, you're going a different way than you've ever been before, so you have to stick close to me. You understand that? If there's ever been a time to stick close to Jesus, stick close to Jesus right now because you're this close, but he's taken us away that we've never been before. And then Joshua said this to the people, purify yourselves or sanctify yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. And so that's what I'm telling us today. That's what I'm preaching to myself at home. Get ready, purify yourself, sanctify yourself, get prepared because we're this close. Tomorrow the Lord is going to do wonders among us and I want to be prepared. And so they get themselves ready, and sure enough, they step out there to the Jordan River. As soon as the priest's feet hit the water, the water stops and backs up miles and miles away, and over two million people walk across this river on completely dry ground and make it to the other side. And that's where we're going to pick up a little bit this week. The title of the sermon is 12 Stones. The title today is this, 12 Stones. Now, some of you, if you're familiar with uh, some of this portion of Scripture, you know exactly what I'm talking about, but I'm going to explain it to everybody here. The title is 12 Stones, and so we're going to pick it up in Joshua chapter 4. Joshua chapter 4. Thank you, Leah. Who else is excited for the Word of God today? Amen. All right. Joshua chapter 4. 
And we're going to look here at verses 1 through 7. And here's what happens as they cross over. Joshua 4, verse 1. When all the people had crossed the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Now choose twelve men, one from each tribe. Tell them, take twelve stones from the very place where the priests are standing in the middle of the Jordan. Carry them out and pile them up at the place where you will camp tonight. Now sometimes God tells you something and you're like, that doesn't make any sense. Why would I want to carry a bunch of stones out of the riverbed? Well, we're about to find out. So Joshua, verse 4, called together the 12 men he had chosen, one from each of the tribes of Israel. He told them, go into the middle of the Jordan in front of the ark of the Lord your God, the ark of the covenant. Each of you must pick up one stone and carry it out on your shoulder, 12 stones in all, one for each of the 12 tribes of Israel. We will use these stones to build a memorial. In the future, your children will ask you, what do these stones mean? Then you can tell them they remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the Ark of the Lord's Covenant went across. These stones will stand as a memorial among the people of Israel forever. Now, one thing you'll notice in Scripture, especially reading the Old Testament, is God continuously asked his people, do this as a reminder to yourself. Do this as a memorial. In fact, in the New Testament, in 1 Corinthians 11, when we're given our communion instructions, it says, do this in remembrance of me. God is very big on us remembering the things that he's brought us through. And let's be honest, a lot of us get pretty forgetful of things sometimes, don't we? I mean, I've seen people where God brought you out of an absolute disaster, and then like six months later, you forget it ever even happened. And so people, by human nature, we seem, most people, to have very short-term memory. And so God is constantly telling his people, do this, make this marker here, do this, write this down, Build this memorial so you'll remember what I did for you. And years later, your children are going to say, what are those? What's the 12 stone? What's this pile of rocks over here? Kids, sit down. I've got a story for you about a time when we had been through 40 years of torture and God brought us right there to the promised land. He literally stopped a raging river from flowing and over 2 million of us crossed through on dry ground. Kids, let me tell you this story right here. And so a lot of people aren't sentimental. Who in here you would say that you're not a very sentimental person? It's okay. We aren't going to judge. We aren't going to make fun. Only a few. And that's fine. I'm kind of on the sentimental side, and, you know, that's my soft side. But I'll tell you this. God is sentimental. He remembers the things that he's brought you through, and he wants you to remember the things that he has brought you through. And I know that when we get to heaven, when we get to finally stand in front of Jesus face to face, I believe that he's going to go back over some scenes and say, do you remember that time that this happened? And I'm going to sit there and cry, and I'm going to say, Jesus, I remember that. I didn't, I had no idea how that was going to turn out, but you brought me through. I remember that, Jesus. Do you remember this time over here when this happened? And, and I'm going to say, Jesus, I remember that. Jesus, he remembers these things. Now, does he remember our sins? He says, no, when we, 
are forgiven of our sins. He's not thinking of that, but he is thinking about all the amazing things that you have been through with Jesus. Is there anybody in here where you and Jesus have been through some stuff together? You fought some battles together, but you overcame it and you won. You need to get 12 stones, amen, and I don't mean literally, but you need some reminders, you need some memorials in your life to remind you of the things that Jesus already brought you through. And I know we live in crazy times right now, everybody knows that, we don't need to go into all that fun mess, but listen, even as wild and crazy as 2020 has been and and all this stuff, This is the perfect time for you to start realizing the great things that God has already done for you, the things he's brought you through this year alone, and remember the victories that you've already won. So I'm going to open up in prayer, and we're going to dig into a little bit of the Word of God today, and I believe that some people are going to get their lives changed today. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we come to you right now, and we thank you so much for the gift of the Bible, the gift of the Word of God that we have right here in our own language. We are holding the very words of God. Some people have died just so we could have this right here, right now. Lord, never let us treat this uh, with disrespect. Never let us treat the Bible, well, it's Bible. No, this is the Word of God, and we humbly and honorably get to come in to your presence and read your very words that have been passed down to us from generation to generation. Lord, please speak to us today. Tell us what we need to hear. Show us what we need to see out of your word. We love you in Jesus' name. Can somebody say amen? Amen. So why do we need our own 12 stones? Why do we need our own reminders? Well, the first thing is this, number one, to keep us from relying on ourselves. Well, that's an insult. I'm very reliable. You're probably, I mean, maybe you are, but chances are you're not. And I know you're not compared to Jesus. You're nothing compared to him. But we need reminders. We need our own 12 stones in our life to keep us from relying on ourselves. I know sometimes after a fresh victory, after a fresh testimony, we're well aware that God brought us through it. We want to get up and give a testimony at church, and you should. And that's the right thing to do. Sometimes when we just came through the situation, we just crossed that river, we're well aware that it was God that brought us through it. But sadly, I've noticed sometimes the further down the road we get, our memory begins to get a little bit fuzzy. And after a while, your story may change from, man, we made it. I was strong in the Lord and in the power of his might to, man, I remember that time. Yeah, you're right. I was strong. I stayed strong through that whole thing. Like, whoa, wait a minute. Whoa, that's part of the story. But the truth is you survived that because you were strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. It's good to be strong. It's a great thing to be strong. But your strength can only take you so far no matter who you are. And you'll eventually meet your match for your strength. But thank God I'm not relying on my strength. I'm strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. I'm not relying on me. I'm relying on him. Strength is a good thing, but it's not enough. 
you know, I like to study history, and I, this made me think of uh, George Washington, right? And in 1777 to 78, who remember that, guys, way back then? No? Okay. So, anyway, if you were around back then, good for you. But they, the troops, man, they were at a standstill. They had to spend the winter at Valley Forge, Pennsylvania, and it was awful. It was freezing. It was like below zero. And these guys had to camp. Literally, they were there for six months. But guys were dying from freezing to death. They ran out of food. They ran out of... It was really an absolute nightmare. Disease was rampant. It was a bad situation. But George Washington, on what's that, December uh, 18th of 77, he decides, you know what? We need some church. He gets any chaplain that he can get, and he has a, a guy named Chaplain Israel Evans give a powerful sermon to the troops and remind them, we're going to make it through this because we're not relying on us. We're relying on God. And they made it through, and thank God they did because we've got the United States of America now. Thank you, Jesus, for that. But listen, no matter what's going on right now, we can't be only looking inward. We've got to be looking upward and saying, I, I, that's not because of me. It's because of Jesus. And one way that you remember that is you remember the things that God brought you through before that you could not have done on your own. I couldn't have beat leukemia. I was a little kid. My dad couldn't have beat cancer, but it was because of Jesus that he did it. Well, man, yeah, but you don't know what runs in my family. I don't care what runs in your family. Healing runs in my family, and I've got 12 stones to prove it. Amen? We've beat cancer time and time again. We've beat heart. We beat all this stuff because of the name of Jesus. Healing runs in my family. Say that with me today. Healing runs in my family. Yeah, but we've got a new virus that nobody's ever heard of. Healing runs in my family. I'm not afraid of nothing because of Jesus. And I've got plenty of reminders to remind me. In fact, I mean, I, I, I've got a few scars. I've got scars on my spine back here from spinal taps. And, you know, they're kind of gnarly looking. But I, I don't care. I'm still glad those are there. And, and I know that Jesus brought me through that leukemia. I've still got some holes in my veins from when I was three and four years old that have never gone away right there. And I see those. And I'm like, thank you, Jesus, that you brought me through cancer at three and a half, four years old. And I'm like, my God, thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for me. I will never forget what you did. And so let me show you something here in Second Samuel chapter 5. 2 Samuel chapter 5. Who remembers, and you know that God brought you through that. It wasn't you, it was God. So we're going to look here at Second Samuel chapter 5. This is a story of David. And David, uh, of course, the New Testament tells us, was a man after God's own heart. And it doesn't say that about anybody else in Scripture. Now, I believe that there were other people, plenty of them, that were people after God's own heart. But it is noteworthy that David's the only person that God said that about in Scripture. So I want to look at a story here that's always caught my attention. I, every time I read through First and Second Samuel, this story always sticks out to me because of something that David said. And so Second Samuel chapter 5, verse 19, and what we're talking about in this point is that 
we are not relying on ourselves. We're relying on God. Second Samuel 5, verse 19. So David asked the Lord, should I go out to fight the Philistines? Will you hand them over to me? The Lord replied to David, yes, go ahead. I will certainly hand them over to you. And sometimes we got to know which battles to fight and which battles like, well, that'll, we'll get to that when God tells us to, but you got to know which battles are yours to fight. And I see a lot of people just entering into battles. I'm like, I'm not sure that you're supposed to be fighting that one just yet. But anyway, that's a side note. So David said, is this the time? Do I go fight them? Will you make me victorious? And God says, absolutely go. I'm going with you. So verse 20, David went to Baal Perazim and defeated the Philistines there. Instantly, he says, the Lord did it, David exclaimed. He burst through my enemies like a raging flood. So he named that place Baal Perazim, which means the Lord who burst through. Now, what I love about this story is it all, it doesn't go into detail about how the battle was won. It doesn't go into detail about the numbers and the statistics. All it says is David defeated the Philistines there and instantly the very next words are the Lord did it. David right away realized and it, apparently it was a great big victory. Apparently it was an absolute massacre, but David's first words are the Lord did it. He didn't say, I did it. Oh my gosh, I did it. I did it. He didn't say, we did it. David instantly, exclamation point, rejoicing, the Lord did it. What's our attitude when we finally get that victory? When we finally overcome that thing? Do we say, I did it. Oh my gosh, I did it. They told me I could do anything I put my mind to. They told me that I could be all that, you know, they told me and I did it. That's nice. You were involved. God did need you to show up for the battle, no doubt about it. But don't be mistaken and think that you overcame that just because you're so strong and just because you're so smart and just because you're so good, the Lord did it. And so out of this story, first of all, you know, and I mean, I've been reading this so much over the last several months, but the first, there's a, there's a battle. There's a bad situation. The very first thing is David talked to God about the problem. What do I do? Should I go? That's the very first thing that he even did. Second of all, he obeyed what God said to do. God said, go. So David went. And then the third thing he did was he gave the praise and the glory and the credit to God. He realized this was not me. This was God that did this. And so David, being a descendant of those same Israelites that crossed the Jordan, he was well aware where the praise goes, and he was well aware about having reminders of what God already did to you. And we'll get back to David in a little bit. But one thing I also want to point out about what the Lord spoke to the Israelites back there in Joshua, notice that he said, Part of the reason you need to do this is so your children will know the things that God did in your life. Question to the parents, grandparents. Do you ever tell your kids the stories of the things that God did for you? Do you? I mean, we all, I, I, and I know in this church, I know you guys really well. This is a church where the parents do read their Bibles to their kids. I know that. I don't doubt that, that you guys are reading the Bible to your kids. And that's the biggest and best thing. But a great bonus 
on top of reading the Bible to your kids is tell your kids of some times that God brought you through and be sure to give the credit to God, right? Because, I mean, I know sometimes, especially us dudes, we like to relive the glory days, right, of high school. Yeah, man, me and the boys, we used to be. And, and, you know, guy, you'll tell your kids stories about the crazy things you did, and it's funny and cool. But we need to tell our kids about the things that God brought us through. That's a big part of this whole thing because when they hear the word about it and then they see, man, God did this in my own dad's life. God did this for my mom. That is powerful. That's going to stick on their heart, but that's what God wants us to do. We need reminders in our house. I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to give you ideas, but I'm just saying, man, maybe you should have a verse posted somewhere. And dad, what's that mean? Let me tell you when that verse became important to me, son. Back in, you know, 1776, I was camped out in the woods in Pennsylvania. And, well, you know, whatever your story is. But I just want you to know that you need to be reminding your kids of the things that God did for you. And so one big reason you need reminders, your 12 stones, is so you realize that you're not relying on yourself. You're relying on God. Number two is to keep us thankful. To keep us thankful. Now, usually we, we don't even talk about thankfulness till Thanksgiving, but let's just get a couple months head start here because I think that we need to be reminded of what God's done and we need to continually be giving him thanks for the things that he's already brought us through. I keep little notes in my Bible all over the place, sometimes in really obscure spots. So maybe I'm like flipping through Nehemiah or some random spot. And I'm like, hey, what's this? Oh my gosh, I, I wrote down a little testimony here of, man, 2015 when God did this for me. I didn't even realize this was in here. But just little reminders of the things that God did. And then we stop and we give him thanks, don't we? Does anybody, you stop and you give God thanks for some of the rivers you've already crossed, some of the mountains that have already moved in your life? We have got to keep and continuously be giving thanks for what God's done for us. Now, as wild and, and everything as 2020's been, I can just stop and say, God has been so good to me this year. Anybody else? God has been so good to me, and I give him thanks. I'm the hel- I've said this a lot of times, but I'm the healthiest I've ever been in my life. I've got the most provision I've ever had in my life, the, the most joy. This has just been an absolute banner year, breakout. God has blessed me and my family and my church so much this year. And I'm aware that there's danger around and there's things happening in this world. But God's been nothing but good to me this year. And I know, man, it's it's been it's been crazy. Even, you know, way back in March when it seemed like the whole world started falling apart, we had everything we needed. We had every provision, our health. My dad was stuck in Peru. God brought him back. And amen, in the midst of a not-so-friendly government situation, God got my dad back. We never ran out of toilet paper, everybody. Think about that. Amen. Yeah. You know, we bring that up. But, I, I mean, I remember before that, we were rolling that toilet paper roll like we were on Wheel of Fortune. Like, yeah. March hits, and you're tapping it like you're trying to crack a safe. But God brought us 
through. Amen. And he's been there and he has been nothing but good to Pastor Dave Sam. There's not one bad thing God's ever done to me. He's only been good to me and he keeps getting better and better and better and better and better. Amen. God is good all the time. Isaiah 25. Let's look at that. Isaiah 25. Isaiah 25. And my whole thing today is I want to encourage you. I know, I mean, you go out there back into the world, wherever, you know, you're working and whatnot. The world is right there ready to just puke all over you as soon as Monday hits. I want you refreshed on this Sunday. I want you encouraged, washed up, cleaned up, joy of the Lord, the peace of God. So you walk back into the world this week absolutely ready to dominate anything that comes against you. Amen. And so no weapon formed against you is going to prosper. Sometimes there are weapons formed. Amen. I mean, sometimes the weapons are formed against you. But if you're sticking with God, no weapon formed against you will prosper. They're going to fail every single time. And so I love this. We're talking about being thankful. And I relate a lot to the things in Isaiah, how I see so much similarities between what what Isaiah was writing to the people of Judah and the people of Israel. But I see so many things as a parallel between where they were and a lot of stuff in our modern day America. And so maybe that's why I'm drawn so much to Isaiah. But Isaiah chapter 25 and verse 9 talk about their deliverance. It says, in that day, the people will proclaim, this is our God. We trusted in him and he saved us. This is the Lord in whom we trusted. Let us rejoice in the salvation he brings. And I'm telling you right now, we declare that in 2020. This is our God. We trusted him and he saved us. We actually trusted in him. People probably wonder, well, why why aren't you like spazzing out? Why aren't you having a hard time with everything? I'll tell you why. Because I actually trust God. I don't, I mean, and you people of church here, listen, I am surrounded by people where we don't just say we trust God, we actually do trust God. There's a lot of talkers, but there's not quite so many doers of the word of God. And that's more and more evident in our modern day and age. But I like to be around doers, people that actually put action to their beliefs. There's plenty of talkers out there, but I love people that actually trust God. Amen. And so the people will proclaim, and I believe the people right now, the born again Christians right now, we are proclaiming, this is our God. We trusted in him and he saved us This is the Lord in whom we trusted. Let us rejoice in the salvation he brings. And I'm rejoicing. I'm celebrating. I'm having the time of my life right now because God is coming through for us every step of the way. He's been nothing but good to us. And we've done nothing but move forward and expand and grow. And it's all because of Jesus. And we give him all the praise for it. And listen, thankfulness, it keeps the door open for God's blessings in your life. Man, I don't feel like I never get no blessings, man. I don't know what's going on. You guys talking about that. I never get no blessings. What's going on, man? Listen. 
your attitude can absolutely close the door. Imagine the hinges of this door on your life, okay? And so my kids watch all these crazy YouTubers, and they're doing all these experiments, and they're doing stuff with glue and with oil and making slime. But I, I see these guys, they do stuff with glue. And I imagine here's the door to your life that God just wants to open up and bring the blessings in. Some of your bad attitudes are putting glue all over the hinges, and that door can't even barely crack open. But the thankfulness of God would come in and oil those hinges and make it a smooth open door where, man, I don't know, every time I turn around, I'm getting blessed. Man, every time I turn around, God's doing something good in my life. Thankfulness will open doors in your life. A bad, nasty attitude will slam doors shut left and right. Well, I don't ever get no promotions. I don't ever, I feel sick. I, I got this all the time. We never have enough. Man, shut your pie hole, dude. And listen, give thanks to God. Come on for what you do have already. Wise men count their blessings. Fools count their problems. Well, there's problems out there. I'm not saying I'm well aware of the craziness and the problems that do exist, but I don't sit there counting them. Well, this is going on. They say this could happen. And then what if that happened? Well, there's four bad things just right there. Uh, Let me see how many more I can think of. No, I'm sitting there. Man, God, you did this. You did that. You did this. You did this over here. I mean, uh, the old song says, count your blessings, right? Name them one by one. Count your blessings. See what God has done. God's done some good things in your life. And he wants us to be reminded of those things so we can walk in thankfulness. And I'm telling you right now that every time the future generations of those Israelites walked past the Jordan River down there by the Acacia Grove, they saw 12 stones piled up and they said, we remember when we were on, we were this close and God brought us through what he did to us. And I'm telling you right now, do something to make some reminders for yourself. I mean, but you, you can even, you can even use your iPhone. Remind yourself next Tuesday at three o'clock of something that God did. And it's just going to pop up on your phone and totally catch you off guard. What's this? Oh, wow. I remember that time that God did this. I'm just saying we need 12 stones in our life right now to remind us of the things that God has done. And so why do we need all these reminders? Number one, so you don't rely on yourself instead of God. Make no mistake. Number two, it's so we can be thankful. And the third thing is this, to help us push forward. Who's ready to move forward in life? I mean, I'm not satisfied. I, 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 I am not, I refuse to believe that we've reached our peak and this is just as good as it gets, even though life is fabulous and awesome and wonderful and I'm loving every minute of it. But I'm telling you, I refuse to believe that this is the peak of everything that God has for me. I believe that there is better things still ahead, even if God comes and raptures us in a very short amount of time. I believe there's more that he wants to get through me and to me, even if there's just a little bit of time left. But we need to be reminded and have memorials and 12 stone reminders in our life to help us push forward. And so I'm going to look at one more thing from David. All right. A descendant of those guys that crossed the river there. And this is 
one of the most famous Bible stories, so I'm just going to look at a few verses here. 1 Samuel 17, this is the story of when David fought Goliath, right? And there's a bunch of truth right here, but there's a very specific thing that I want to point out here in 1 Samuel chapter 17. And so what we've got going on here is, once again, the Israelites and the Philistines, they're at a standoff. There's a valley in between. They're at a standoff yelling stuff at each other across the valley. And the Philistines, they have this guy named Goliath, right? Big, scary, big dude. And he's out there yelling curses, mocking, making fun of, blaspheming the name of the God of Israel. And there's a lot of stuff like that going on today where people are mocking and making fun of and putting down on Christians and making fun of of our God. I mean, you may not think it, but it's happening, all right? And I'm seeing stuff happen in 2020 that I didn't think I'd ever see happen in the United States. But there's a lot of bitterness and hostility towards committed Christians right now. You know, and in fact, Paul told Timothy this in Second Timothy. He said, everyone who lives godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Well, that's funny. I never get any persecution for my beliefs. Well, that probably answers the question right there. It only happens to those who live godly in Christ Jesus. So if you never get any persecution, I mean, I'm not calling you out, but maybe your light just isn't shining that brightly. Because I can tell you that if your light is shining brightly right now, somebody somewhere wants to put it out. And so... But but here we have Goliath yelling things, hurling insults. I mean, it's getting bad. He's cursing them in the names of his gods. And nobody's going to stand up for what they believe in. Nobody. Nobody nobody is pushed to the limit where they say, I've had enough. Somebody shut him up. Nobody's doing anything. Nobody will stand up for their beliefs, stand up for their country, stand up for their God. Nobody's doing it here. And then a teenage kid shows up and is like, who's the big guy over there? Shut him up. And everyone's like, no, 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 no. We, we, we Just don't do nothing. Just maybe he'll finally leave us alone. And listen, the devil is standing there yelling at you, and he's not just going to give up and quit. He's not just going to say, man, I, I feel bad for him. The enemy never feels bad for you. You have to stand up and fight. He's not just going to go away because he feels bad for you. You have got to have some fight within you. And so David shows up and he's like, no, listen, you know, talking to the king, I can do this. I've got this. I've beat lions and bears with a stick. And David had. He was a shepherd. Whenever a, a, a mountain lion or a bear would come and mess with the sheep, David had so much tenacity that he literally beat mountain lions and bears up with a stinking stick. I don't, I don't care. I mean, there's not a lot of things that I'm willing to fight a bear over with a stick over. I mean, I don't care what it is. I'm like, you know, the bear can have the dang sheep. I don't even want it. I didn't like it anyway. Just take it. But, but David, he fought bears and mountain lions and other predators with a stick and some rocks to protect what he believed in and protect what belonged to him and his family. And there's an enemy. He wants to take what belongs to you and your family. He wants to take what you believe in. And a lot of people are like, oh, I don't know, man. It's just I'm not feeling it, not getting that vibe right now. Can somebody send some vibes this way? And it's not going to work 
you have got to stand up like David finally did. So finally, David talks to the king and he's like, fine, go, you know, good luck. I mean, let's see what happens. No one else is going anyway. So first Samuel 17, starting at verse 41, first Samuel 17, verse 41, Goliath walked out toward David with his shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at this ruddy faced boy. Am I a dog? He roared at David. You come at me with a stick? And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here and I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animals, Goliath yelled. And so this guy's just throwing all this trash talk out there. And he's like, really? That's the best you Israelites can do is send a teenage boy with a stick? And so David's walking out there. And all he has, all he's brought was five rocks, five smooth stones, and a stick. And he's going to face the biggest problem that they feel they've ever seen in their lives. And some people are laughing at you. This is the biggest messes we've ever seen in our lives. And you're just, you're just going to take that Bible with you? That's all I need right there, man. I don't, I mean, yeah, I'll, whatever. That's all I need. You're facing the most impossible circumstances of your life, and all you're going to do, all I need is one good verse, and I could take down any giant that ever comes my way. Don't try me. Amen? And so David, he's like, you guys laugh all you want, but I'm fixing to go out there and beat down a giant with a stick and some rocks. Now, if we were to have surveillance footage of this exact scene. Just imagine that we do. I'm going to hit pause right here as David's walking out there with a stick. I'm going to hit pause. Okay. And I'm going to zoom in. I'm going to, I'm on the phone here. So I'm zooming in, right? I'm, I'm zooming in and, and I'm going to look real close at this stick that the teenagers carrying. And one thing that I've learned through studying Hebrew and Israelite history is this, is that shepherds this wasn't just a stick that they found five minutes before. These shepherds, they had their staff, their stick, their, I mean, a big, thick, good, hearty, what we, I mean, we think of it like a walking stick or something, a big, thick stick. And once they had a good one, they didn't let go of it. That went with them everywhere they went. And on this staff or on this stick, they would carve in little reminders, little memorials, if you will, of the things that they'd already been through. And so David on this stick, no doubt, he had carved a picture of at least one bear that he beat over the head with a stick. He probably underneath that had a picture of a mountain lion that he had beat with a stick. He probably had pictures of other victories that he had already achieved. And as David's walking out there with this stick in one hand and his sling and rocks in the other hand, he's walking out there and this giant is yelling and cursing and making fun of and david's got this reminder right in front of him i beat a lion i beat a bear i beat this guy i beat that guy and here we have a philistine that's trying to be he had 12 stones he had five but he had a 12 stone memorial right in front of him and he's walking remembering all the things that god had already done for him and everybody said, we've never seen anything like this before. I beat bears. I beat lions. This is nothing. I got this. And so he's walking out there, and he's ready to take on Goliath. Now look at this, verse 45, verse 45. 
So this guy's yelling, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to feed your, your flesh to the birds. And he's saying all this nasty stuff. Verse 45, David replied to the Philistine, you come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. He's saying, I'm coming to you in the name of God, and you've been making fun of him. You've defied him, and he's not happy about it. You've got a sword. You've got a spear. You've got a javelin, but I've got the name of the God who made the heavens and the earth. Amen. For us in the New Testament, I've got the name of Jesus. Don't feel sorry for me. I've got everything I need right here. And so he says, today the Lord will conquer you. I'm going to kill you and cut off your head. And then I'm going to give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with a sword and spear. He doesn't need a sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. And you need to realize that no matter what you're going through right now, if you'll rely on God, this is the Lord's battle. This is the Lord's, why am I afraid? This is the Lord's battle. Now, some of you have taken the whole fight into your own hands, and then it's your battle. Good luck. You know, Godspeed, I hope you make it. Who knows? But if you are relying on God like David was, this is the Lord's battle, and God doesn't lose. He's got an incredible 1,000% winning percentage. He's never lost at anything he's ever done. The battle is the Lord's. And so by the time David actually got to the giant, he was pumped up, man. He was ready for the fight. He didn't cower out there. He ran out there and he was like, this is my moment. This is the day I've been waiting for forever. And as soon as 2020 hit, the real faith Christian said, this is it. This is the moment we've been waiting for. Other people were hiding and cowering and what do we do? How do we get away from this? And we said, I've been preaching healing for the past 35 years. I've been waiting for this. Well, that sounds mean. That sounds insensitive. That sounds crazy. I feel bad for anybody that's been affected and infected by disease. But I'm telling you right now, the name of Jesus and the word of God works. I don't just say that. I believe it because healing runs in my family. Well, what family are you from? The family of God? The Samples family? No, the family of God. Healing runs in this family. Well, my family, this run. Well, you know what else runs in my family? Victory. We win all the time. The Samples family? Because I know some of them. They're rednecks back. No, not though. I'm talking about the family of God that I belong to. God's my father. Jesus is my big brother. And I am in the family. And we win all the time at everything that we do. Everything. Well, I'm going to get, I'm, I'm, let me show you what happens here. Then I'm going to give you one last grand slam verse. Then if this doesn't light your fire, your wood must be wet because I've got a real winner to end this thing on. Look at verse 48, verse 48. So as Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him. 
He didn't put on a hazmat suit. And, anyway, so he runs out there to meet him. Verse 49, reaching into his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone, he hurled it with his sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in and Goliath stumbled and fell face down on the ground. Victory. Success. Victory. And then David cuts his head off with his own sword, which I think is absolutely awesome. But David stood up for what he believed in. God backed him up and he won the biggest victory they'd ever seen before. And we're still talking about it 4,000 years later. This was an awesome moment in history. And what, but what if, what if David didn't rise to the occasion? And I'm thinking right now, and I, I can't get over this thought. We are at a crucial point, and I think world history, United States history, whatever. What happens if the body of Christ doesn't rise to the occasion, but in crunch time, the fourth quarter, seconds ticking down on the clock, we choke, we fold, and we don't stand up and do what God's told us to do? What happens? A lot of people are not going to receive Jesus and go to heaven if we fold right now and we don't preach the gospel to every creature. If we don't stand up and say, no, I believe in the healing power of God. I believe that God supplies all my needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. If Christians right now choke and go into hiding and, 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 and don't rise to the occasion, that's going to be a sad mark in our history. But I'm believing that Christians and churches everywhere are going to rise to the occasion and boldly speak and proclaim this gospel that we've preached for all these years. We weren't just talking about it. We actually believe this, and we actually put action to it. And that's what David did. David had those reminders right in front of him, and he rose to the occasion. The last thing I want to do is this, 2 Corinthians 2.14, 2 Corinthians 2.14. And this is the last verse I want to share. I like, I'm going to read this out of the King James Version, 2 Corinthians 2.14. And I'm telling you right now, you need to be encouraged today. No matter what's coming up against you, God is greater. You will win if you don't quit. And this, and I, we've got less than four months left in this year. And I'm declaring and I'm decreeing right now, they're going to be Three, three and a half months of pure heaven on earth. We're going to be blessed. We are going to be the light of the world that we were called to be. We aren't going to spend it in hiding. We're not going to spend it running from the boogeyman. We are going to absolutely rise up and be blessed. And the glory of the Lord is going to shine from among us. But Second Corinthians 2.14 to the King James, it says, Now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ. Amen. And I want to say that first sentence together. I just feel like we ought to do that. So stand up with me today. Stand up. And even if you don't feel bold, just pretend for a few minutes. The rest of us may not know the difference. But stand up. And we're going to speak some words together. Amen. And we're going to say just this right here. We're going to say, now, thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ. But you're not going to say it like a sissy. You're going to say it like somebody that's got some guts, somebody that's got some backbone, somebody that actually believes the Bible. Amen. So on the count of three, we're going to say this this one sentence together. We're going to say, now, thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ. Ready? One, two, three. 
3. Now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ. And now we're going to shout hallelujah like we believe it. Hallelujah. We thank you, Lord, that we always triumph in Christ Jesus. Amen. Well, I'm excited, I'm pumped up, and I'm ready to take on anything that the devil and the world tries to throw at me because God is greater. Amen. So with this, uh, I was walking around here praying on Friday, just thinking of your faces, speaking words of faith and victory, speaking words of healing over you. No one from this church has experienced any serious sickness. I mean, it's been awesome. I'm speaking faith over your finances, your marriages, your families, that God is restoring and blessing, and you're the light of the world. And as I'm walking around praying, this song comes into my heart. And and as a Christian, God puts songs on your heart. Sing them out. There's this old song, and I and I was just thankful. I'm thinking, man, God, our church has been so blessed, so healthy, so prosperous, so happy, so blessed, so joyful, God. I love it. And then this verse, this song rose out from my heart. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Just to take him at his word. Think about that. Christians that just trust in Jesus. Just take him at his We're not doing anything new. We're not doing anything groundbreaking. We just trust in Jesus. We just take him at his word just to rest upon his promise and to know, thus saith the Lord. So I'm going to, let's take a minute. I know I've got you pumped up and revved up, and now you're all ready to go, you know, fight a brick wall or something. But let's bring it in for a second. And I'm going to try to slow us down. And I want Josh to lead us in this old song written in the 1800s. But I want to sing this song together. And I want you to mean it and sing it. And start thinking about, man, it is sweet to trust in Jesus. He brought me through this. He brought me through that. And he's going to bring me through this one. Amen. So let's sing this. It's a special moment. Go ahead. It is so sweet to trust in Jesus. Just to take him at his word. And just to rest upon his promise and to know thus saith the Lord Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I prove him. Precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust Him more. I'm so glad I've learned to trust Him. Precious Jesus, Savior, friend. And I know that He is with me, will be with me till the end. Jesus, Jesus, 
It's not complicated to just trust in Jesus, to take him at his word, to rest upon his promise. We can rest upon his promises. We don't have to struggle. We don't have to fight and toil and sweat and be exhausted. Rest upon his promise. And no, thus saith the Lord, you are going to make it. Thus saith the Lord, your family is blessed. Thus saith the Lord, you always triumph. In Christ Jesus, you have light inside of you that this dark world needs. And don't let that get put out right now. Don't dim that light. Don't fade it out. Don't put it under a basket. Let that light shine. I want you to leave here today with a skip in your step and a song in your heart and to know that you have got the very answers that this dying world needs. Don't step back now. Don't quiet down now. Realize that God's going to do some great things through you. Purify yourself, for tomorrow the Lord will do great wonders among you. Maybe you've never been this way before, and that's okay. Just stick close to God, and he's going to lead you right through it. He'll cause the waters to part. You're going to cross that Jordan River on dry ground, and you're going to be in that promised land. We're this close to heaven, guys. Don't let go now. Jesus is coming down to get us real soon. Our wonderful big brother is going to be right there in the sky to come snatch us away. We're this close to crossing over. Don't let go 
now. Cling to Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm going to close us out in prayer today. I want to remind you that tonight we've got our family night service. Amen. Last week was awesome. We're blessing these kids and these families in a big way. Amen. Youngins, where are my youngins at? You heard he preached on David today, right? Did you hear that? Praise the Lord. So family nights tonight, please don't forget if you are working, there also is a schedule for this month in the back. It will be posted online tomorrow, but please take a picture of it before you leave. There are lots of us involved in family night and having a fabulous time, and it is getting cold over there, okay? We got the ACs on early. Praise the Lord. Amen, amen. And one last little reminder uh, that if you did order a T-shirt and haven't picked it up yet, your T-shirts are back there. I wanted to tell you about that, okay? But I'm just blessed. I feel the anointing of God in this place today like I haven't felt in a long, long time. And I believe that God's doing things in your life. You're all oiled up and ready to go and take on this world, amen? I'm going to close you in prayer. Then we're going to speak some awesome faith-filled words over Barstow, over your life, and over everything that's going on. Amen. So let's close out in prayer. Raise your hands today. I want to speak a blessing over you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I declare, I decree, I speak over every person in this house right now, each of those watching online, Lord, the blessing of God to be upon their lives this week. They're blessed in the city. They're blessed in the field. They're blessed everywhere they go. Where they're going and coming, they're blessed. They're the head. They're not the tail. Everything that they set their hands to is blessed. Their jobs, their families, their money, their health, everything and everywhere they go, they are blessed. And Lord, I release the peace of God over every life here in the name of Jesus. And I say they've got the joy of the Lord in their hearts, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. And this week is going to be an amazing turning point for, for all of us, Lord, in this year and for this state, for this county, for this city, for this country. We speak good things this week in the name of Jesus. Everybody said, amen. Who's ready to speak some words of faith over Barstow? Let's say this and let's mean this right now. We declare that Barstow is a blessed city. Our families are blessed. Our schools are blessed. Our churches are blessed. Barstow is healed. Barstow is prospering. Barstow is safe. Barstow is strong. Barstow is surrounded by the walls of God's salvation. Barstow is full of love, joy, and peace. Barstow is full of the glory of God. Barstow is coming to Jesus. Barstow is saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord some praise today. Hallelujah. You're dismissed. We'll see you tonight.